If you would, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew and chapter 13. I will say this, that this morning's message is uh, different. Uh, I I don't mean different in a bad way. It's just different. Um, uh, The Bible tells pastors as, as good stewards of the word that we are to preach the entire counsel of the word of God. And uh, so this morning we're going to be talking about a subject that um, is not always easy to talk about, but is necessary because Jesus talked about it actually multiple times. Uh, So we're going to be talking about it this morning as we have been studying the parables. Our theme this year is our firm foundation. And we have been studying the different parables of Christ trying to get that firm foundation, and uh, this morning is part of that. So uh, just um, uh, understand that the entire counsel of the Word of God is important. Years ago when I was in the Navy, the very first, well, I shouldn't say the first, the second port that we pulled into I was stationed on a submarine tender in Charleston, South Carolina, and the very first um, uh, voyage that we took, I guess you'd say, the first uh, uh, experience I had at sea, uh, we went down to Cuba back in, this would have been in 1980 at the height of the Cold War, Uh, not a cool place to be, Cuba then, it's still not a great place, but anyway. Uh, while we were there, we went down to Jamaica, and then while we were in Jamaica, we had Liberty Call, and <clears throat> as we were, me and, a, me and a buddy of mine, we were walking through the city of Jamaica, and it was getting dark. It wasn't quite dark, but it was getting dark, and as we walked past an alley, there was a guy standing in the shadow of the, of the alley, and he he walks up, he walks out, he steps out of the shadows, he walks up to us and he's, and he's holding something in his hand. And he's like, hey, fellas, come here, let me show you something. Well, I knew immediately the guy was, a, you know, it wasn't a good situation. But my buddy stops and he shows him a gold ring. And, he's, and, he, and he pulls him back into the alley and they start dickering and, you know, and they come up with a... And anyway, my buddy comes out of the alley wearing this ring and he's so proud of this ring that he bought for almost nothing until his finger turned green. <laughs> yeah. He fell for one of the oldest tricks in the book. You just, you polish brass enough and it looks like gold. My friend was embarrassed. And, and I was a good friend, and I told him, I told you so. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but no, he was embarrassed, but you know, he learned an important lesson that day. This morning's message, as I told you a minute ago, is a kind of a different kind of a message, but it's on a subject that many people uh, today try to avoid. The title of my message this morning is The Parable of the, ta- the Tares. The Parable of the Tares, or Counterfeit or False Teachers. Let me start by saying this, that Satan is the chief counterfeiter. Everything he does counterfeits the things of God. <clears throat> 
And the false teachers that are out there do the exact same thing. False teachers are all around us today. Uh, they are on the internet, they're on TV, they're on the radio, they're, they're everywhere. In the parable that we are about to read, Jesus warns us about these false teachers. And as we listen, I want you to listen carefully because there's some really important things that Jesus tells us here in Matthew chapter 13. Let's start reading in verse 24. Now, before we read, let me, let me say this for those of you that are visiting and some, some others that don't know me very well. Um, yesterday, I had a migraine all day. And typically when that happens, my reading is really, really bad. So I'm just warning you ahead of time. I have dyslexia uh, on top of it. So whenever I have a migraine, my dyslexia just goes crazy on me. So I have a tendency to add words and take words out. It's not my fault. I'm not reading a different <laughs> weird version of the Bible. It's just, it's just the way it, God made me, and I'm okay with that. So hopefully you are too. Um, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, it says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemies came and sowed tares among the wheat and went, his, and went his way. But when the blades were sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? For whence then hath, uh, hath it tares? And he said unto, the, unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then uh, that we go gather them up? But he, he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together unto the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for your love. And Lord, we do ask that you would speak to our hearts through this, this parable, that you would help us to see your truth, that you would help us to see the warnings that you give us about false teachers, and Lord, I am so thankful and grateful for all that you do in our lives. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The greatest destruction to the church today, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about to all churches that preach, preach truth. The greatest destruction to the church today is not coming from without, but from within. Let me say that again. The greatest destruction to the church today is not coming from without. It's coming from within. I have three questions I want to challenge our thinking with because as I started reading and studying, these three questions just kept going over and over in my mind. The first question is this. Is the Word of God true and accurate? What is the answer to that? Yes. So that leads to the next question, then what is Jesus trying to tell us in this parable? 
if, Je- if the Word of God is true and accurate, then what Jesus is telling us is that there are more than likely false teachers among us. Right? So that leads to the third question. Why can we assume there are false teachers among us? And the answer to that is very simple because Jesus, or excuse me, boy, that was a bad one, because Satan is out to destroy the church. So let's talk about this parable. Let's try to uh, unwind this parable a little bit. Uh, Point number one this, this morning is this, explaining the parable. Explaining the parable. I don't have to explain the parable to you. Because Jesus explains it. Look in verse 36. Uh, And uh, then, uh, excuse me, Uh, then uh, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare or um, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the, in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be a wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father whose ears hear to who who hath ears to hear let him hear jesus very clearly explains the parable to his disciples and 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 in in a very simple terminology here he's explaining that it is spiritual warfare this is this is spiritual warfare uh, <clears throat> Paul reminds us about this battle in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the tricks of the devil. False teachers are one of those tricks. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, as I, as I went through this and I, and I worked through this, I came up with a few lessons that I want to kind of share with you uh, with point number one. The first one is that the bad seed cannot destroy the good seed but it can inhibit its growth. Okay, John chapter 10, verse 28 to 30, it says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man 
plucked them out of my uh, out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus identifies the good seed, the wheat here that he calls, as the, the, the children of God or the people who receive the word and they grow. And the, the tares or the weeds cannot destroy the good seed, but it can inhibit the growth of the good seed. How do we know that? We know that because of a parable Jesus told just a, a, a little earlier uh, about the four soils. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, in this parable, he says this, He also that receiveth the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So the tares or the weeds that we're talking about here can inhibit the growth. It can't stop it, but it can inhibit it. <clears throat> Two different parables that Jesus tells, very close together with similar meanings. Do you think Jesus is trying to warn us or tell us something here? I, I think he is. The second lesson that I learned through, the, through my studies is this, is there is little difference between the two at first. Okay, think about this. Look at, look at verse uh, 28. And he said unto them, uh, An enemy hath done this, this and uh, the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? In verse 29, the homeowner, the, the landowner says this. He says, but he said, but he said, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, uh, ye root up some also the wheat with them. So in other words, what the landowner was telling them is, look, if you send out the harvesters to pull all the weeds, the, the weeds look so similar to the real uh, wheat here or the seed that's growing fruit, the seeds are so similar that they will inadvertently pluck them out. So what can we learn from this very simple illustration that Jesus gives us here? <clears throat> False teachers oftentimes look like the real fruit, but there's something wrong about them. And the reality is this. Eventually, as the as the and this is the picture that Jesus gives us here, as the as as they both grow, it will be evident eventually which is false and which is real. And false teachers will come in and they will they will sound right and they will look right, and then all of a sudden something gives them away eventually. Unfortunately, what happens is people get sucked in and then it's too late. I dare say that probably a false teacher, 90 to 99% of what they say is probably pretty accurate. 
But it's that 10%, it's that, it's that small percentage that gives them away every time. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute. The third lesson that I, that I took away from this is in verse 30. He says, but, but uh, let both grow together until the harvest. The harvest, the lesson, the third lesson is the evidence is in the harvest. The tares produce no fruit, but the wheat produces fruit. And this is where it gets tricky. And this is where, as a, as a pastor, I, 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 I hope you understand my heart on all this. A false teacher will look good and sound right. A false teacher can be one of the most faithful people in a church. A false teacher will go to Bible studies, will, will uh, possibly even teach. They do everything right. They look right on the outside. Everything is right on the outside. And this is the picture that Jesus is giving us. but their fruit gives them away every time. Does their, does their lives match what they're saying? My father-in-law, who was a, a good old southern boy, he grew up in the poorest county in the country uh, back in the, in the Great Depression, uh, and so he, he only went to school, I think, until the... Anyway, I, I'm not even sure. He quit school young. But he, he was a very wise man, just he wasn't very educated. And he used to say this all the time. <clears throat> he says, that, boy, if, you're, if your walk doesn't match your talk, it doesn't matter. And that's what, that's what a false teacher will do. They'll say one thing, but they'll live another. Their tongue will always give them away. So point number two, and and this is this is really kind of the meat of the of, of the message here. And I've I've tried to go fast uh, through the first part of this, but this is where this is really the meat of the message here. Point number two, identifying the false teacher. Identifying the false teacher. How do we do it? Jesus very clearly says here that it's not until the harvest that the identification can be made. But the reality is we don't want to get sucked in, right? Is that is that not the truth? Hello, talk to me. All right, we don't want to get sucked in. So how then do we identify false teachers? There is always one giveaway. Always one. I'm going to read you two passages of scripture and see if you can identify what 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 Paul tells us. Well, Paul te- or excuse me, not even Paul. I thought it anyway. Uh, in Jude and in 2 Peter. So Peter and Jude tell us two things that how we can always identify a false a false teacher. Jude chapter 17 or 
There's my dyslexia kicking in. There's only one chapter in Jude, okay? <clears throat> Jude, you picked a chapter, verse 17. Um, uh, Jude 17 and 18 says this, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. This second epistle, beloved, is now I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffer, scoffers walking after their own lust. So what is the giveaway to a false prophet? It's really pretty simple. Everything is about them. If you <clears throat> listen to many uh, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Uh, 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 <laughs> I'm just—it's just gone. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, preachers on TV that talk about money all the time. Well, not evangelists, but te- well, not every televangelist is bad. I want—that's why I'm being careful. The 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 ones that that believe that if you send me money, you'll get rich, okay? Yes. Yeah, prosperity. That's the word, prosperity gospel people. Yeah, you know, hey, you send me your money, and God will bless you, okay? That is a dead giveaway, okay? It's it's all about me, okay? Um, And and I'll be honest with you, and this is something that, that I... I prayed really hard about before before preaching this message. I, I hope and pray that I never, I, tr- I, I went through my memory and all as hard as I could, I don't ever remember inviting anybody to church to hear me speak because it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And it should always be about him. But when we hear people say, hey, you need to listen to me or you need to come, uh, it's about me. And, and when, the, when the, the, the conversation is always about that individual, it is a dead giveaway. Because what is our job? Our job is to point people to Jesus Christ. The best way to guard ourselves against false teachers is knowing truth. I read a story recently about a young Chinese boy 
that desperately wanted to learn how to work with jade. And, you know, if you're familiar with it at all, jade, China is very famous for their jade. So this young boy made, made a point to search out one, a, a elderly man in, the, in his community that, that was very wise but worked with jade. That's what he did. So this young boy went to this, 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 this elderly man and he, and he asked him, he says, Hey, can you teach me about jade? And, and the older man said, sure, come on, come on in. And so he came in and, and he handed him a piece of precious jade. And the little boy sat there and he, and he played with this jade. And the, the whole time he, the, the older man was talking, he just held this piece of jade. And the, the older man imparted to him wisdom about, about people and about society and, and all the, you know, everything he could do for, for an hour. He just imparted wisdom to this little boy. Talked nothing about Jade. So finally, the, the old man walks over to him and takes the Jade away and he says, come back tomorrow. So the little boy goes off, he comes back the next day and he hands him another piece of precious jade and he sits there and he repeats the same thing. And this goes on for months. And the little boy gets, is getting frustrated because he's not learning about jade. So finally, after several months of this process of holding a piece of jade and listening to this old man impart wisdom to him, one day he walks in and the old man hands him a, a piece of rock that is not jade but looks like jade. And immediately the little boy holds it and looks at it and he says, this isn't jade. How did he know? Because for months he'd been handling precious jade. And when something false came into his hands and he saw it, he knew immediately that it was false. And the way we know as believers that somebody is teaching wrong doctrine is by spending time with truth. So that if we, if we, flood our minds with the truth of this book. Then when something false happens or we hear something, we know immediately that is false. I remember years ago, I think it was Rick. I I could be wrong, but I think it was Rick. Rick came to me. This is many years ago, but he heard, he was listening to somebody on the radio was preaching and he and, and the preacher said something, and, and Rick, he came to me, he's like, he said, Pastor, he said, what he said? He said, I don't, it didn't, it didn't sound right. And he told me what it was, and I said, no, it wasn't right, and this is why it wasn't right. But what had, what had happened was Rick had, he had, he had so enveloped truth in his mind that when something false tried to get in, he, he identified it. Now, we don't always understand sometimes. We don't understand. But the, the fact is, truth comes from this book. 
not from the philosophies of men. There's a verse that I learned. It's the first verse that I ever I ever memorized. But I I learned this verse right after I got saved, and and, and it, it has impacted me ever since. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Those of you that know it, you can quote it with me. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the implication of this verse is very, very simple. It's, it's, a, it's a simple truth, but it's not always simple to live. And that is the very first word in this verse. The implication here is it takes work to study. A few minutes ago, you had a, we had a bunch of teenagers up here <clears throat> giving testimony about their time at camp. But what, what, you know, as soon as we, we see a teenager, at least me, what I think of is high school. You know, what are they doing? They're learning. They're studying. They're supposed to be studying, right? Supposed to be. I did it. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, they're supposed to be learning. And the implication of this verse is very clear, that it is, it is hard work. Study needs to happen. Study to show thyself. It does not say, hey, listen to your pastor. What he says is, is, is accurate. Don't do that. It's the word of God that's right, not me. It doesn't say, uh, go to as many Bible studies as you can to learn truth. No, it, the, 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 the implication is you need to dig and you need to learn. It doesn't say turn on all the internet preachers you can find or, or TV evangelists and all. No, the implication here is very, very simple. The responsibility is yours to study, to get to know the book. And when you get to know the book, what is the result? The result is rightly dividing the word of God. Years ago, <clears throat> I preached a sermon, and in, in that sermon, I said something wrong. I don't, it's been too many years, I don't remember exactly what I said, so I don't want to try and repeat it, but I know this, it was wrong. It was inaccurate to the Word of God, put it that way. But I didn't realize what I said. Have you ever done that? You know, you get caught up in the moment and you say something. And, and, and the church, nobody in the church said anything to me about it. And then later, because my wife is down in junior church most of the time, uh, usually during the week my wife likes to listen to the sermons just so she kind of, you know, knows when I make mistakes and stuff. And um, but no, seriously, she she came to me and she said, Rick, do you realize what you said? I'm like, what what are you talking about? And so she she told me what I said. And I went, oh, 
I, I said that, you know, and she's, yeah. Ah, that's not good. So the next Sunday I got up here and I, and I apologized to the church. I said, hey, I said this. I was wrong. And I was, I was, I was upset with myself for saying it. But I was also kind of disappointed that nobody said anything to me. Because I asked, I said, hey, did, did anybody pick up on what I said wrong? And a, and a, a half dozen hands went up. And I said, well, then why didn't you say something to me? In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, to 11 and 12, the Bible says this, there were, there were more noble, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Let me stop right there. Study to show thyself approved unto God. They searched the scriptures daily. <clears throat> whether those things were so. In other words, every time they heard a sermon, they would take notes. Who, who, who was it said that they were learning to take notes? Okay, good. Good. Everybody should be taking notes. Why? So that you can go home and check the scriptures to make sure everything that I say is right. You should not take it for granted. Therefore, many of them believed also uh, of honorable women, which were Greek, and of, a, and of uh, men, not a few. What, what happened when they were diligent in the word of God? A lot of people got saved. Why? Because they were not satisfied with listening to the pastor saying, okay, good job. No. What did they do? They went home. They searched the scriptures and they determined what they had heard was right. And because of it, a lot of people got saved. See, it's about Jesus Christ. It's not about Rick Lynn. It's not about any person. It's about Jesus Christ. It is not my job to stand up here and identify all the false teachers in the world today. Number one, that would be impossible, but that's not my job. My job is to teach you truth so that when you hear false teaching, little, little, little red flags pop up. It's the angel, if you, if you read verse 39, we're not going to for, for time's sake, but in, in, in verse uh, uh, 39, Jesus makes it very clear that it's the angels that do the, that do the, the, the searching out and the separating, uh, the servants of God that do that. Uh, God will teach them to do that. That's not my job. My job is to give you truth. Again, study 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
Part of the problem, and I understand this because I'm as guilty as anybody else, part of the problem is we live in a society today that everything is given to us. And what do we want to do? We want to be able to push a button and become spiritual. Right? We, we want to push a button and have it all given to us. And God says that's not how it works. This is something you have to want and something you have to do. So I want to, in closing, very quick, I'm going to try and do this quickly, and I should be able to. I want to give you four ways to identify false teachers. Number one, what does the teacher say about Jesus? What does the teacher say about Jesus? Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 16, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that the Son of Man am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto him, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus starts with a question, and he says, Who do men think that I am? And they came up with some answers because, you know, people think really strange things out there. But the real question is not, what do people think? The real question is, what do you think? That's that's where the rubber meets the road. What does the teacher that you're listening to think of Jesus Christ? If he is not preaching and teaching Jesus, then there's something wrong. Second uh, John chapter 9, Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. In other words, Jesus Christ must be in preeminent in all teaching and preaching. And we try really hard at this church to make that happen. Are we always successful? Probably not, but we try really hard. The second lesson, does the teacher preach the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 9. As he said before, so say I again now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that I have received, let him be accursed. If anybody adds to the gospel, you know, one of the one of the tell signs of a false teacher is this, and, I, and I've I've had people do this to me. They'll they'll say, Hey, you know what? The Bible is is awesome. You need you need to read the Bible. And but then they'll do this, they'll pull out a book written by a man, and they'll say, Hey, but you need to read this too. 
that's usually a sign that they're teaching something that is not in the book. It's the book that changes lives. This book changes lives. Number three, does a teacher exhibit character qualities that qualify uh, 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 the Lord? In other words, is he always living what he says? Like my father would, my father-in-law would say, does his does his words match the way he lives? Jude chapter, <laughs> I did it again. Jude verse eleven. <clears throat> Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and have uh, greedily. Uh, after the error of Baal for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. In other words, a false teacher can be known by three things identified in this verse. Three things. The first one is pride. Cain rejected God's plan because he thought his plan was better. A false teacher will always be wrapped up in pride. The second thing we see here is that there is almost always greed involved. Baal, excuse me, Balaam, not Baal, Balaam prophesied for what? For money. So you have pride, greed, and then Korah is a symbol of rebellion. What did Korah do? Korah lifted himself up over Moses. And a false teacher will always do that. He'll lift himself up to be better than someone else. Let, let me say this. <clears throat> a, 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 a teacher, a preacher, uh, any, an evangelist, anybody who's hopefully preaching the Word of God but are always running down other people, beware. That's a telltale sign that there's a problem. Jesus tells us to be weary of people that do this. The way we can identify false teachers, number four, and I'll be done. They have discovered a new truth. If 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 you do any kind of internet searching out there, there's always someone finding new truth. We actually talked about this Wednesday in our Bible study. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, Knowing this first, that no private, uh, uh, no, excuse me, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, what he's saying here is if somebody says, Hey, guess what? I have found something that nobody else has. I found something in the Bible that nobody else has. Be careful. Because the Bible says that Scripture is not a private interpretation. And, and you, you tell me that it took 2,000 years for you to figure this out when nobody else has? There's a problem. God has not and will not ever keep anything back. 
from his people. The promise is clear. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort uh, of the Scripture, might have hope. Don't ignore the word patience there. What what is the implication of that word? It's going to take time. It's going to take time. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. Solomon said this, The thing that hath, hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And the and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be seen, said? See, this is new. It hath been already old time, which was before us. Solomon was a wise man. He said, you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. Nobody's going to walk through the jungles of Africa or, or wherever and discover something new. I mean, we may think it's new just because we've never seen it, but the reality is somebody's already seen it. There's nothing new under the sun. The truths of the Word of God. God can use this book to illumine our hearts and to show us new truths that we have never seen. But mankind has been reading this book for over 2,000 years. So if somebody out there is saying, hey, I have a new truth, be careful. Explain. Explaining the parable. Jesus explained it to us. Identifying false teachers. It all boils down to one thing. Study to show thyself proved unto God. It's our responsibility to know this book, to know truth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am truly thankful and grateful for for your love, for your patience with us, because we, we are all human and we all can make mistakes. And Lord, you are so patient with me, and I, I, I am so thankful for that. But there are false teachers out there who are ready to destroy the church. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end this morning, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would touch our hearts, that you would help us to see and to know truth. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the, your patience. But Lord, thank you for doing a work in our hearts and lives. We love you and we thank you. With every